For October 30th, 2023, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 800. A lot of beautiful ideas. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The Overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet, and we have been your friends for 800 episodes of this podcast and associated special uh, special things in about 400 episodes of the TFD podcast and countless, uh, well, I mean, they, they're countable, but uncounted uh, YouTube videos and uh, many, many articles, many thousands of articles, posts on the overthinkingit.com website. Uh, what a heck of a thing to celebrate. And we've got a big panel to do it. So let's get right to it. I'm Matt Rather. I am joined by uh, the, 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 a, a rogues gallery of, uh, of podcasters and, and um, uh, starting with the, the person who was my co-host who did the first episode of the Overthinking a Podcast with me, Salute Your Shorts, a painstakingly detailed review of the Oscar shorts of that particular year, uh, 2008. It's Matt Belinke. Hey, Matt. And I can't believe the one about the falo- the dueling falafel stands in in Israel actually was the one that won. The, is that accurate? Is it, or are you doing a bit? No, no, no it was. It that was. was. It was the. Yeah, it, it was like the the one that was sort of the, the jokey throwaway that like you know, it was almost like a Zucker's brother style, um, you know, zany comedy. And we thought we didn't even really consider that it might win. But I guess, uh, you know, Hollywood is a magical place. Yeah. And it brought about peace in the Middle East. So the rest. Of yeah, the it did successfully. Yeah. Too peace soon. In the Middle East. So. Oh, sorry. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> but I, I remember, Matt, that we that the one that won was the one that we on the podcast said uh absolutely shouldn't win any of the five live action shorts but this one should win right the hot hot toasty takes right out of the gate i <laughs> like like hot toasty falafel sandwiches uh <laughs> we got uh podcast stalwart peter fenzel with us pete hello hey falafel sandwich sound pretty good right about now i would say I came, I came here to kick ass and eat falafel sandwiches. And I'm all out of to here to podcast and eat falafel sandwiches. There it is. And I'm all out of falafel falafel sandwiches. Um Pete, you were you were uh in the OG crew for for overthinking it as as I recall back in two thousand eight. Yeah, for sure. You know, wrote for some of the antecedent sites. I, I definitely remember writing about Rambo and RoboCop very early on with the idea that I was going to write about them often and then not doing so. Oh, right. And then and talking about got, a lot of other things. You got trolled, I think, by a um, – you got trolled by a, a then-current like blogger.com blogger uh, called Copy Ranter who was like, all of your takes about advertising are wrong because I've worked in advertising for three decades and am bitter and hate you. <laughs> I'd love to go back now. Having worked for decades and see if, in fact, I'm bitter and hate my earlier self. I don't feel that way just yet, but who knows? I haven't gone back and read the back catalog recently. <laughs> Mark Lee uh, is with us. Podcast stalwart Mark Lee, you've, uh, uh, you've, you've made it. Uh, Mark, you've said, yes. you've said you would be my, back, and here you are. I am back. My warts have stalled. I, I would love a separate podcast. Maybe we uh, dissect the etymology of the word stalwart because that's a weird word when you think about it. Stalwart. Stalwart. Stall. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Now I want to go go and look. It sounds like it seems like it comes from like uh, Anglo-Saxon, right? Rather than being a romance word. But uh, I, I, I think it's related to St. John's wort. Ah, got it. St. And and uh, and a planter wort also. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and that voice is Richard Rosenbaum. It's a, it's two podcasts in a row. Uh, yeah. Richard, this is wonderful. Thank you. It's, uh, cool to be here. Two podcasts in a row. Richard, of course, the, the world's foremost expert on, uh, on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles transmedia franchise. And, <laughs> and, uh, I think I took that, that phrase from, from your bio, um, about which uh, we podcasted a, a couple weeks ago, and oh, uh, not sorry. I think not, I took it from Wikipedia. Not two in a row. Sorry, the the recording schedule is a little wacky, and it makes me. Uh, you were oh, you, time travel. You leapfrogged over one like a turtle living in a pond, though a turtle can't jump like a frog. 
Well, a Ninja Turtle can. <laughs> of course, a Ninja Turtle can. And uh, uh, Jordan Stokes is is with us, so it is a it is a holiday. Jordan Stokes, the progenitor, both of the name overthinking it he suggested it to me in a in a gmail uh, message which i still have in my uh in my you know longtime gmail account and also the composer of the theme song that begins and ends every episode of the overthinking a podcast jordan welcome to the show glad to be here it's sort of comforting to think that uh, when eventually in the fullness of time as all things pass the overthinking of podcast does go off the air i will have the final word in the form of that <laughs> unless we unless we put in an outtake do you remember what what uh possessed you <laughs> i'm sorry that makes it that's more negative than i mean to sound do you remember what your inspiration was is what i really mean when you started to uh, lay down those sick beats um, I was using a uh, like a, a a drum machine that comes with the Digital Audio Workstation Reason, yep. and the way that I would make beats in Reason is I would just sort of pull up a drum sample and go from there. So it's very kind of like uh, the organic game of life type thing where you you start with one thing and add another thing and add another thing, and eventually you tell yourself this one's basically done. I'm just <laughs> messing up at this point, and then, you know there you have it. I just uh, I you know I've listened to it every week for 15 years now and i still can't totally suss out the harmonic language of the uh you know of the various parts of it (laughs) well if you as you see my my process is essentially to compose it by accident (laughs) that makes sense well, our process, uh, our process is basically to have a website by, by accident. You know, overthinking it started as a blog, like, uh, back when that, back when that was a thing. Um, and, you know, we, we invited our smart, funniest friends, uh, together and then, gra- and then gradually expanded the circle to more smart, funny friends from the, the internet. And kind of by accident, we, uh, stumbled into a thing. I feel like we had like decent reputation on the internet in what I want to call like, 2010 2011 days when we had really nothing better to do in our in our uh late 20s right like uh, early we did have better things to do i wouldn't go that far but but we did this instead (laughs) you are the person who proposed a single elimination tournament with every uh uh, film (laughs) book music musical piece of art uh, piece of popular culture with the word America or American in it uh, which I think like involved writing 64 articles or something on on the internet like what what better thing did you have to do as the proposer of that massive project that make more European videos I think is the answer I'm probably the the, the, the Probably the piece of writing that I'm most proud of is like some of the some of the pros in that we had we had beautiful articles about American history X versus American sniper, which captures the sort of violence at the heart of the American project the best. Uh, Pete, I remember you really going deep into Kit Kittredge and American Girl, not just but <laughs> the great thing about the format is that uh, the, because you know when things keep winning, that means you have to continually write about them in round after round, and so. Because because Kit Kittredge and American Girl, I think, went deep into the sort of uh, the the final four. I think uh, somebody had to write about Kit Kittredge uh, several times, finding different angles, different nuances to sort of tease out. Oh, you know, it uh, contains multitudes, man. Every every American Girl closet contains not just the history of America, but, but all the, the accessories as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All its accessories. <laughs> Does the um. Uh, Matt, did what one did an American tale win that in the end? Well, right. So here's the thing: there was no scientific process. It was really just sort of the person who was writing went with their gut, and this was time to uh, hit right before the 2016 election, and it felt like a very symbolic final showdown: American History X versus an American tale. And 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 uh, you know, we wrote this sort of uh, almost like a Capra esque finale where an American tale triumphs over American history X. And that that's the defining statement of America. And that was like, I think six days before Donald Trump was elected president. Got it. Which so, really, I, I believe we, we, we had like a sheepish sort of uh, epilogue to that where we're just sort of like, well, maybe. Well, we had, we had the membership program by that point. So what we made, we manufactured, as I recall, a uh, Fivel's hat as a sticker 
And uh, the idea was kind of like, kind of like the safety pin, you know, emblem like that you see sometimes, you know, that you could put Fievel's hat, uh, you could stick it to your door uh, and, and, you know, people would know, immigrants would know that this is a safe space and that they are welcome in, <laughs> in your house because you had Fievel's hat on your door. Um, and you have a lot of beautiful ideas. It's it's wonderful. Hey, let's turn our our uh, our avatars green. That'll bring about a uh, real change in Iran. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> a uh, uh, heck of a thing. I'm sorry, Matt. It's, I, I hate to go down a, a rat hole with Fievel, but the um, <laughs> you know, but the the when when you of all people uh, talk about you know how we have better things to do. Didn't you watch every episode of Law and Order? I'm sorry, I'm doing the I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the bit over again. Pete, do you have a, a, a just a favorite project? Overthinking a project that you've been involved in in the time uh, that we've been doing the doing the the whole enterprise oh yeah sure you want me to lead with a favorite project well matt's, I don't know. matt's was uh, a, an american tale you know and an yeah that's true i don't think this is a secret i think i think i've said it before at least within the last two years so hopefully yeah so everyone who's been paying attention knows that my favorite project that i've worked on for overthinking it was uh my uh, 24 real-time recaps for the 24 Live Another Day Latter-day season. So for those who aren't familiar, I did these with Ryan Sheely for the most part, though other people came in and guessed it at various points. And uh, so as as, uh, as as you might have remembered, the Jack Bauer, you know, Kiefer Sutherland action TV show uh, 24 came back for a final season after it had already been off the air for a little while. And so we did, we were doing TV recaps at the time. We did extensive TV recaps at one point for a lot of different television shows, like podcast recaps, video podcast recaps, all sorts of stuff. And so Ryan and I put together this, I, I think it's, I don't know if it's exactly 24 hours long. I don't think it's 24 hours long. I'm not sure. But the, the idea is that we would be recapping the show ourselves in real time while events were transcribing in the diegetic world of the recap, which would then serve as a sort of parody pastiche homage to 24. Uh, and it involved creating a lot of deep lore for overthinking it, right? The overthinking it headquarters, I believe in Zurich, uh, that we all, the giant mansion that we all worked out of in Zurich. Um, and whenever I think about like the moment that I feel really like I was, just the most giddy working on overthinking it is probably the episode where, and I forget what episode of 24 it was, but it was the episode where the overthinking it, the conceit was the overthinking at headquarters was on fire. Uh, Cause all sorts of terrible things had happened. Matt, you had at that point been shot by a sniper and fallen out of a stained glass window, right? Uh, you're Matt, Matt, you rec- remember recording that with us. Right? I did. I, yeah. I, so I did one line that stays with yeah. me to this day, which is cold brew coffee is a painstaking and artisanal <laughs> process. And then you were taken out by a sniper and went out the window. And then we talked about like, so in this episode, there's a lot of symbolism. We got to do this fast, right? Because there's all this stuff that's happening. Um, but in that episode, yeah, the overthinking, it, it's really building towards a climax and the whole headquarters is on fire. And so we call the fire department. But unfortunately, the overthinking it, although overthinking it has a dedicated fire department, the fire department is dedicated entirely to making charity calendars. <laughs> and so it's like a bunch of really sexy firefighters who show up with a lot of disco music. And this whole thing is a radio drama kind of thing. So I was like futzing with the sound effects to try to get the fire sound effect, the fire alarm sound effect, and the sort of disco music sound effect to all like balance with each other <laughs> while I was talking about this television show. Delirious. So, that was, so that you're, probably, you're delirious, yeah. like mixing this at hilarious. three in the morning, you know. Yeah, it was a it was a trance state. It was a vision quest. It was a vision quest of a project. Uh, so I do remember it fondly. That's for sure. Well, and I, I feel like we probably said a lot of good things about twenty four. And you you came of age and achieved catharsis in the course of your vision quest. So like, me and Chloe both. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, uh, Mark, do you have a favorite? I mentioned it in last week's podcast. I'll just recap it again. Right, just like blundering into the incredible coincidence that Grease two and Terminator two. Uh, shared a, a prominent crew member. Um, so it started out as just like, uh, you know, uh, pointing out the visual gags that the, uh, came across them. Led me to the firm and earnest belief that I have today, which is that uh, James Cameron did, in fact, intentionally reference Grease 2 in Terminator like- 2. And nothing will convince me otherwise, <laughs> short of James Cameron sitting me down and like looking me straight in the eye and saying, son, I'm sorry, but 
there's actually no connection. Not and even e- then, not even the stunt coordinator, the stunt coordinator or something like called you and was like, Mark, no, it's not true. Right. He, like, he didn't call. He wrote in. Ah. He wrote in a comment, um, which is the next best thing. Um, so we've got it in writing. Um, but like I said, like James Cameron himself at this point probably could not dissuade me. <laughs> we did get some, of some this idea. great people, some great people in the comments. Um, Mark, your most popular piece was probably Peak Rock. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm still very proud of that. Yeah, likewise, kind of like blundered into that by accident, right? I think I like I, I plotted out the Rolling Stone 500 songs by year and then literally just threw spaghetti at the wall. I mean, by literally, I mean, like I went in my kitchen and cooked spaghetti and threw, threw it at the wall while I was also Googling for different data sets that might possibly correlate. And then I stumbled across, um, you know, oil production in the continental United States. <laughs> that's that's amazing. That, that's that's that is the creator. That, that's that's the common thread there. Right. Our, our creative process is basically accidental. Uh, Richard, what do you what do you have as a uh, what do you have as a high point for you in all this time? Uh, so I, you know, wrote a bunch of really fun stuff that I wouldn't have been able to uh, talk about anywhere else. And obviously, my my one article about the Ninja Turtles ended up being kind of the pilot for the the book that I uh, eventually wrote about the same subject. But the thing that comes to my mind uh, is actually the book club. Uh, which was not about a book, but when we did the book club on Final Fantasy VI, um, and a whole bunch of us got together and we we played FF6 and we talked about it. It was like a six-part book club podcast, and uh, it was just that was a really fun deep dive into a game that has a lot of problems. And that has, but is also like a lot of, a lot of fun, like generates a lot of really interesting uh, ideas and the opportunity to like really talk about this one subject for a long time with a whole bunch of smart, funny friends from the internet. (laughs) Um, Like when, when I was thinking about, you know, the, the high points, it's like that kind of, um, like community engagement with such a huge but not forgotten but like it's not exact it's not star wars you know it's ff6 it's not talked about all the time um that was i think really really fun that was a for me that was definitely a high point i looked forward to it uh, every single week well, yeah, I mean that's that was uh, that's something like a mission statement for what we were trying to do yeah. with the uh, with the with the website. Um, Jordan, do you have one, and why is it Cowboy Bebop? <laughs> it's it's not Cowboy Bebop. I'm really proud of that giant series of articles, but it it, it got to be kind of agonizing to do them because I had created expectations for myself, which is, uh, you know, a, a bad thing to do. Never, never do that. The, the part of OTI that I remember the most fondly is like right around when the website started, I had a relatively low effort office job and arts management, or there were definitely times when like, you know, there would be a, a crisis and I'd be working really hard, but there would also be many weeks where I would have hours where I'd just be sort of sitting at my desk manning the phones. And what I did was just like churn out articles for OTI. Uh, so like really the, the part that I, that I miss was the time that I was, was paid to write content for our website, you know, not, <laughs> not by anyone who knew that we were doing it, <laughs> but nevertheless, like it's a pretty cool job if you could manage to swing it. Little little did this arts organization know that they were truly patrons of the arts, probably more in this way than in any other. Um I'll go I I'm I'm last in the alphabet. I, I mean, I'll go. I uh I if I have to go back to the if I have to go back to the to the past, it's probably the um the improvised Greek chorus of steel girders. Uh, on the podcast that uh, from the the Man of Steel, I think. Uh, yeah, that was Man of Steel, the Superman movie, and we did a uh, just in in terms of talking about it and how the like the urban destruction was wrought upon Metropolis and like a bridge bent or something like that, and uh, we did a we we just kind of improvised a um a you know Greek chorus of of the steel girders that were uh, hurt in the uh, that were hurt in the um. 
uh, in the, the the film as uh you know civic infrastructure was all melted away with uh laser vision or i don't know threats from the great beyond or something um but it, it, if if i'm allowed to do something a little more recently some of my favorite things that we've done recently are the podcasts where we've actually done uh a single podcast about a literary work so um we did uh uh, Jordan and Pete, I think you were there for this. We did Gawain and the Green Knight, uh, as, as I recall. And those, were, that was really fun. And then the following year, um, the, uh, a Christmas, a Christmas Carol. And that, uh, that was really, uh, that was really fun as well. It's hard. Like I, it's so fun to sort of do something that's focused, uh, you know, beyond like a, a TV or a movie or sort of the general topics that, you know, what, whatever we're, we're able to prep. But, um, the prep was was a little intense, such that I probably couldn't do it every single uh, every single week. And that's a you know it's an interesting thing that we've we've done this for uh, for so long, given that the essentially hobby nature of it. I mean, we flirted with uh, we flirted with with monetization. Pete, you said you were you were uh, you were accosted every Thanksgiving. Once you told me you were accosted every Thanksgiving with uh, relatives asking you why don't you monetize OTI. <laughs> Uh, if it wasn't the ones telling me that I should quit because we're sacrilegious, oh, then yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> that was we? a fun email. Um, uh, well, only only when Schechner's making graphics. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, blasphemous is probably the proper word. Um, no, 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 no. Yeah, we we never really decided to go down that path. Also, and of course, uh, now we can look at what, satisfaction. Of, of on all blasphemy, did, right? we never went down what? the the path of blasphemy. Well, you know, <laughs> hail Satan. But the uh, you know the whole uh, yeah the no, but but we did. We ran ads on the website. We had affiliate links on the thing. We were on a podcast network for a little while. It turned out not to be a great fit. But I was very grateful to them for the time that they were, uh, you know, for the time that they were there. And we have a membership program uh, <laughs> where where our our heroes are over thinking of members support us with uh, a um, contribution of five bucks a month. That's uh, uh, you know about a dollar an episode of the podcast, a buck twenty five maybe in a short month. You know, and they, they're heroes, and you can join their number at overthinkingit.com slash join. Uh, overthinkingit.com slash join. But there's sort of the the essential uh, hobby nature of it. And we've we've done it, you know, we've been been making we've been writing, we've been videoing, we've been podcasting for fifteen years. And I think, you know, we we propose that in this time, you know, as we commemorate um I haven't even explained what what we're commemorating. The 800 episodes kind of coincides with the 15 year anniversary of the weekly podcast. Uh, that is to say, we did you know a dozen episodes over the course of of 2008, uh, but then with episode 13, uh, which I believe episode 13 is called, I think. Um, between platform nine and three quarters and Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Uh, if I, if, if memory serves. And, uh, that was a Pete episode. Uh, that was a Pete title. If I, if, uh, if memory serves again. Um, the, we've never really actually done the stats on who does, uh, who has the, the, the record for, for titles, uh, since we take them out of the, since we take them out of the, um, the conversation uh we went weekly and and it just so happens that we haven't broken our weekly cadence thus far i uh i lay awake thinking about this at night because i am as proud of this as I've, i am of any creative project i've i've ever done the whole the whole assembled tonnage of the overthinking a podcast and um you know, uh, the only thing that you can do with a streak is break it. And so, uh, you know, that day will in- inevitably come. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just think that, uh, I, I think that, that, um, it's, it's sort of amazing that we've managed to, uh, to make it work this long. And, uh, if you want the secrets of how we have, we're, uh, starting a productivity book, um, that we, <laughs> we can sell on the on the website about a uh, project management and guilting your friends into uh, the idea of like the, the only thing you can do with the streak is break it has me thinking of um the angel whose job it was to put up the sign in the garden that says it has been zero days since anyone <laughs> <laughs> ate from the tree Right, like, yeah, no, no, uh, no disobedience of the Almighty, you know, like in in the Garden of Eden since uh, 
since uh, since zero days. God, well, Jordan, you bring up the unsurpassed, unsurpassable greatest work of literature in any language ever, uh, Paradise Paradise Lost by John John Milton. No, but so we've been doing this thing for fifteen years as a hobby. It's amazing. What the hell have we been doing? What have we learned? In uh, what have we learned in all that time, Pete? You proposed that we take up this question uh, when we started when we were started planning for the 800th episode. What was on your mind when you uh, when you brought it up as a potential focus for our conversation? Sure, I'll start. I'll talk about what I feel like I've learned, and this is from where I am now, which is not where I've been in all the places heretofore. I'll try to make it a little bit quick, which in general in this podcast, of course, I rarely if ever do. Um, when we started the podcast, one of the ideas, if I was not already articulating it in this exact way, is something that I've hammered on over the years. It's mostly out of self-defense, which is don't apologize for what you love, right? We, we, and this was back when it wasn't normal to rant about Star Wars on the internet forever. Unless, <laughs> unless you love murder. Yeah, well, yes. In that case, you should probably you should probably confess to what you love <laughs> in several respects. But uh, but it was not normal to do the kind of stuff that we do, which is to, you know, uh, pontificate and elaborate and hyperanalyze everything involving pop culture. But I do think that we pursue it with a with something of a distinct energy or tradition at the very least. Uh, but but yes, don't apologize for what you love. But then the question then is why? Why not? Right. Why not? Why? Why? Why is that important? Like what what have I learned in the intervening years that might support or transform or justify that particular way of thinking? And I guess what I would say to that is um, it really comes down to not cheapening yourself to yourself, uh, to not underselling yourself, really commodifying your own pleasure or pain or enjoyment, your own experiences in life. Right. Um, uh, That these are these are things that are against uh, any sort of idea, I think, of of appropriate kind of self-respect or dignity or, uh, you know, valuing, you know, who you are and your own subjective experience and how kind of inextricable, inextricable it is from your path through the world. And what I would just suggest is, you know, when every time that we've watched a movie, you know, every time I've watched a movie for the podcast, I've also been there. Right. And this is, I think, the same for everybody. Right. You watch a movie for the podcast. We've all done it a whole bunch of times. I'm always there in the room with me. I always know that the things that have affected me over the previous week are going to affect how I watch the movie. Like that's not a theoretical thing. Uh, when you have to come up with movie commentary every week for 15 years, right? Or, I mean, and in fact, you even saw the movie like a third of the time that you had to do it. Uh, but man, I, those were pod- those were weird podcasts, man. In retrospect, to do podcasts about movies we didn't watch, I got to go back and listen to some of those and realize what we were even doing. But but I will say that, of course, you're always there while you're watching it, right? And then, if, But then, of course, also, quote, unquote, society, right, is always there while you're watching it. And I think some people just end it there, too. Right. Being like, well, what's the relationship we're watching in society? But then if you do it for long enough, you see that society changes. Right. And then you also see that your feelings about society change on a week to week basis. And you sort of carry different relationships with the world with you through a sort of signal the Roy's relationship over the course of years. And, and I think that that just the way that it changes and varies you know, and kind of pops around probabilistically week to week really belies the idea that any one of these particular sort of contextual concerns is kind of transcendental um, to the point of really explaining the whole thing. Uh, and and I, what I would just say is that, you know, each time that you are enjoying or not enjoying something, it doesn't even matter if it's good or bad. That's really what it is. It's not just like, oh, you're allowed to like the bad things. It's like you're allowed to want to enjoy watching a movie you don't enjoy. Right. Like you're because you're allowed to think and talk about it and you're allowed to relate to it. And maybe you're allowed to talk about it with your friends. So I would just say that, like, there's always two dancers in these kind of watching endeavors, you and whatever it is you're watching or listening to. And then hopefully, you know, a friend that you can talk to about it. And in those situations, I would not forget in thinking about was it good or bad? Did I like it or not like it? You know, was it was it, you know, a good thing or a bad thing for society at large? I would not strip that experience of that that dance partner of you and the thing that you're watching and you and the thing that you're listening to and the experience that you're having while you're doing it uh, and, and 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 being a beautiful thing, you know, a thing that you get to do while you're alive, you know. And so uh, so I would say don't sell yourself short. Don't cheapen yourself. Don't commodify your own pleasure, pain, joy, distress, boredom, whatever it is. Uh, and, and one of the ways to do that is to kind of practice, uh, practice sharing, you know, practice talking about with your friends and then, and practice kind of like, you know, mindful and mindful self, self, uh, mindful overthinking, I guess is what I would say. 
uh, is is a way of kind of remembering that you're there and it's not just the media. Got it. So Pete, uh, Pete advocates for a strict adherence to Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And what? that's uh... <laughs> yes. Every story is like that. Exactly. Follow this graph. Uh, I made it into an infographic and now I've used AI graphics. That's what I've learned is how to make AI graphics of the hero's <laughs> journey rather than just repeat it out from a piece of paper. <laughs> okay. she- yeah. Shovel blogs are so much worse now than they were when, when we My were. Day, the crap was good. Nowadays, the crap is crap. <laughs> the, the uh yeah well that's i mean no it's a good i mean it's a good point starting from the kind of the founding principle of the site that there's no wrong you know there's sort of no wrong thing to like and there's kind of no wrong way to like the thing uh uh, to like the thing that you like. Do you, uh, I'm sorry, this is a terrible thing to throw out to, uh, to four panelists, but anyone else want to get in on this one? Like, <laughs> what have you, what have you learned in the time that, that we've, uh, we've yeah. been going? Mark, what do you got? I'll, I'll get it here quick. It's this notion of thought technologies or technologies of thought, which I definitely heard for the first time on the show. And I will not claim that I fully understand it, but I like to think that I do. And what it evokes it makes me feel smart. Let's put it that way. But feeling smart, maybe that's something I've learned from this. Actually, no, it's quite the opposite. I feel, uh, oftentimes I feel kind of dumb um, because I'm often usually on with uh, with Matt and Pete um, who really bring the thunder in terms of you know, actual knowledge of uh, oh, stop works, it. Stop literary it. theory and all that kind of stuff, right? Y'all got better grades. We, at least Matt certainly got better grades than me than we, I did we in make any it up. classes. We make it up. It's all crap. We make it up. Uh, uh, no oh, one really? speaks. That, no one speaks French. There's not even a France. France oh, that is, a, is a that is a thought technology. Just making stuff up. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So my interpretation of thought technology is like, well, it's like it's a fancy way, probably, of just thinking of, of describing like different ways of thinking and reasoning and methods and kind of schools of thought. Um, but they kind of like are packaged in this notion of technology in the way that like you know your smartphone or your smartwatch is a technology or a set of technologies. Um, and kind of like unit and compartmentalizing it um, helps me kind of think about thinking in a different way. And if that ain't overthinking it, I don't know what is. Mm. Thinking, thinking about thinking. Richard, you weren't with us. I, I, you weren't with us for the whole fifteen years. Do you remember when you came on board? Like, what what brought you onto the the onto the crew of this uh, this particular pirate ship? Um, I was a fan of the podcast at first. Um, and I honestly don't remember how I came across it, but, um, it was just really fun and I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, reading the articles back when articles were a thing and, um, I noticed that you were, uh, you know, soliciting pitches from fans at a certain point. And I was like, okay, I have, I have some ideas about a couple of things. And, um, it turns out. Everybody is just as cool and smart and funny as I thought. <laughs> and I was really uh, happy to be welcomed in, um, even though I, you know, didn't go to Yale or whatever. Um, oh, come on. It's and have a- never been in a marching band. There's not even a Yale. <laughs> One of those matters. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the one that you think. Uh, it's the marching yep. band. But uh, <laughs> the... Um, yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm an elevated fan. Well, what do you feel like... I mean, you, you went on to great intellectual attainment and great scholarly attainment on, on your own, you know? and and, well, uh, and, and you can call it that. wrote and published a book about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is... <laughs> You know, a cooler nice. accomplishment than than you're you're in the ninety nine point ninth percentile of cool accomplishments by you know having a publisher you know a publisher book about the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So what what on earth uh, could you have learned in all of this in all of this time? Mm. So I think I, I had to think about this for a while. Um, I think that what I've learned mostly is that. It's not necessary to consume everything, which was a hard lesson for me to learn. Like, you know, we're all around the same age, and there was a certain point where everything in media, in kind of the circle that you were in, had to be common. Like, if you didn't know about something yet, it was horrifying. Like it was, it was embarrassing not to know. And you had to, at least I was like, oh, I had to read, you know, every 
every book that everybody else I knew was reading. All the there were there was a lot more um, centralized media in terms of television and music and all kinds of stuff. Like there were genres, and there were you know areas like you know these these kids would know about this stuff and these kids would know about this stuff. But like there there was it was a lot less niche. Every niche was a lot less niche. And over the years, um, I've got a lot less precious about, for instance, listening to the uh, the OTI podcasts talking about um, stuff that I haven't seen yet and don't necessarily intend to see or hear or read or whatever because, like, I'm becoming more comfortable in the idea that um, I can just be interested in what I'm interested in, and yet um, even the stuff out there that seems right up my alley, it's like we've had this conversation about um, peak television, right? Where now there's more, there's more television out there than anybody could ever possibly watch. Um, even simultaneously, like it's not possible to even keep up with everything. You have to choose your battles media-wise really carefully. Um, and it took me a while to come to terms with that, but I think that I, I am at the point um, through largely through having to kind of curate what um, what I thought about through an overthinking it kind of lens um i feel a lot less bad um about missing out on media that i might even enjoy but there's just too much of it and um i don't feel as much guilt about that anymore and i think that was an, an important thing to, uh, that in this kind of media environment that we have to learn I mean, is I there feel a, like, oh, sorry, Jordan, you I, go. I, was just, I feel like OTI is a good teacher for that particular lesson because yeah. you, you'll have like, uh, I feel like Fenzel and Parrish are the great ones for this, where it'll be like, here are 2000 words about a movie from the 1980s that no one saw at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it, it, you can you can make the list of all of the things that you're supposed to write to keep up with the discourse. But our particular discourse here, uh, all the things you're supposed to read, all the things you're supposed to see to keep up with the discourse. But our particular discourse here is so wide ranging that it just quickly becomes laughable. Like the, and even in the article. It'll be like, okay, look, I know that none of you have seen this. I'll recap the plot. And I feel like I learned the same the same kind of lesson, honestly. What's the relationship between that and sort of like aging and and like getting beginning to get some sense of mortality? Right. Like, I think that that, you know, I don't yeah. know. Let me let me propose a let, uh, let me propose a straw man. And you, and you tell me where I've got it wrong with this. But like when you're young, you sort of think that you can encompass the world uh, and then and and you can't uh, you realize that that, you know, uh, as you age, that you're sort of a, a drop in the ocean, like the ocean is so big and your boat is so small and like you're you're never going to get. Uh, you're never going to get to even like a, a a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent of what you're going to, uh, you know, of what you can sort of experience of all the things. I mean, of all the things that are that are out there in the world. And I, I think that that concomitantly, a lot of the times there's kind of a realization that like, well, you know, to, to a certain extent, it's all the same. Right. Like because there there's sort of one human experience and like. It's, uh, you know, whether, whether you talk about the, uh, the alienation of Lilo, you know, right? Or the, the, the alienation of like a Jane Austen heroine, or, uh, I don't know, the, the alienation of, uh, of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, or the, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, that, that to a certain extent you're talking about, you're talking about a, an experience that's, that's shared. And so I think that, that to a certain extent it's, that, that's a consolation for what you realize when, you know, like the, that um you know that you you grow up thinking that you you are going to encompass the world and then you realize uh, uh you realize as you age that like sooner rather than later the world is going to encompass you <laughs> and yeah, you know i yeah i totally agree um life's too short for star trek discovery season 2 <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Jordan, you want to get in with another, uh, do you want to get in with another observation or was that your, uh, was that your, your, um, kind of main thought that, uh, that, that what you've learned is that Pete and, uh, John watched a lot of films that no one else watched. (laughs) No, I would, I would say that, uh, the thing that I learned is that doing something regularly is in many ways even more impressive than doing something well. Um, because I I think back to the, the the days when overthinking it was a blog, like I, I was a very, very regular contributor to it um, and took a lot of sort of like effort and pride in my contributions and sort of, you know, we all gradually, without really deciding to do it, basically stopped writing for the blog. And I used to come on the podcast more regularly, too. Um, and just watching, like, you and Pete and Mark hammer it out and grind it out without stopping for all this time, like, each year that it goes by, I'm more and more impressed by it. The quali- so that's, that's a- <laughs> each year that the quality diminishes and you start <laughs> grist for the I, I, mill yeah. becomes the, like, the 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 empty husks of the corn yeah. that no, that's that's how you feel that's not how the work is experienced by others <laughs> that's yeah. a good the, the way that i phrased it it really did sound like i was uh backhandedly telling you guys to pack it in because it sucks but no that's not what i mean what i mean is that um it's it's i don't know like I, I, when i think about sitting down to try to do something now often i will think to myself like well can i do this with the kind of regularity that that those guys do because if so it'll probably end up being something worthwhile it's a, well sure yeah it's the way that like uh you know if you if you uh if you go to the the gym and really blast your quads i don't know what 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 you do in the gym but if you go if you go and do that like once every 18 months versus like taking a walk every day like uh you're gonna do a lot more for yourself taking the taking the walk every day i sometimes jordan think of rudyard kipling's if when we're sitting down to to do the podcast this is probably not something i should should uh uh admit while we're taping but i think of the the stanza that goes uh if and i you know i haven't done a a uh I, well i i I think about this the stanza that that says that I'm the colonial master of the world but no not that not that one so much <laughs> but the, the um the uh I, I haven't done a poem in a, in a lot of uh in a lot of episodes so you know here's here's your poem and you know for the 800 that seems appropriate if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them hold on uh, that I, I, I think of that little quatrain every, every now and again when, when we're doing this, because, you know, the, the, the Lord Michaels is fond of saying, like, the show doesn't start because it's ready. The show starts because it's 1145 on Saturday night. And that's, uh, that's like, uh, that's uh, what, what we do as well, or 1130 or whatever. When did they start that, that show? I, I don't know. 1135. 1130, 35. That's weird. Yeah. That, I, that's how I would remember it starting. Yeah. They didn't start it right at 1130. That's because they, uh, they would, because they do a, a toss off from the evening news or whatever. Right. That's, or was it, was uh, it like five minutes of picking out, uh, ping pong balls with numbers on them for the lotto? Yolanda Vega. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you, do that? Is that still a job that you can have? I, I mean, it's not a job that you can have. <laughs> no. <laughs> but the, Matt, you, you are really dedicated to sort of niche culture. And like to, to the point of like, I recall, I recall when you got from eBay a dubbed VCD of Stephen Chow's God of Cookery and we watched it together and it was, it was glorious. But I feel like you were sort of patient zero for the denichification of, uh, of a lot of culture. Is that, you know, something that you felt? Is that something that you sort of saw feelingly as you, um, as you experienced culture or was it, uh, was it, uh, is it something else that you feel like is the main theme of your, your learning? Absolutely. So, you know, it's like, we all, uh, you know, well, we talk to kids now and we're always trying to be like, Oh, you kids will never understand blank. And there's like different things. So you kids will never understand how you had to give people directions because they would not simply be able to figure out how to get there by typing in the address into a phone. Uh, and, or, or you'd have to make plans of like when and where to meet people. And I if mean, you weren't soon. there at that time, there would be no way to, to 
you know, let them know that you were running late. Soon, soon, like, uh, you know, GPT-12 is going to just tell them where to go and they're not even going to put it into the phone. Presumably, you'd still have to tell GPT-12 where you wanted to go, though, right? But you'd still have to give it a No, the idea is that it tells you where it wants you to go. In Soviet Soviet (laughs) Russia, GPT tells you. You you would just type in like places my friends might hang out trending on art station. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. I'm like I'm so distracted by this by this hypothetical throwaway that like I forget what the point I was going to make. Um, no, but wait, you tell think, you tell I kids. I, got- I I used to go used to go to Colonial Williamsburg and it pissed me off so much. Like or maybe you didn't, uh, and and I certainly didn't. But a hypothetical straw man used to go to Colonial Williamsburg and they would always right. say, "Remember, they had no TV back in the day." And it was like, "Yeah, obviously, no, we get it. You don't have to go on and on about that." And yet, I I've become that person, and it sounds like so have you. No, but okay. So the thing that I've tried to tell my kids several times is that like back in the day, some pieces of media were hard to find. Like you could not simply watch them whenever and wherever you wanted to. And it's something that we take for granted now. Like you guys remember back in the day when there would be like, let's say a new episode of the Simpsons. And if you did not see it, there would be no, you would, it would be completely unclear when you could see that episode, right? That like, you would have to wait for them to put it back on TV, which could be any time. I was, um, I was shocked when I finally saw some episodes of Star Trek, the next generation. And there's one where like a bug crawls into Riker's mouth or something like that. Like it's all, uh, it's all terrible. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I, I honestly do think kids today take for granted the idea that like you can watch any episode of any show uh, whenever you want, you know, at the time that's convenient to you. And and you can watch movies from the other side of the world. You know, like if if you are interested in like, you know, kung fu movies or Bollywood movies is as recently as like 20 years ago, it required like you had to, you know, mail away for DVDs that would quite possibly be in a format where you needed a special DVD player to play, right? DVD players were region locked. Yeah. Um, you had to I get a region zero. About this, yeah. right? it, it, on the one hand, look, it is a genuinely good thing, right? It is a good thing that we have access to the totality of media and we could watch anything anytime we want for, you know, a, a, a subscription fee or like, you know, a, a few bucks thrown at Amazon Prime. Until so they like, remove part- it. A part of me is a little nostalgic for a day when finding something, finding a rare piece of media, such as like, I'm, I'm going to cite the, the Mr. T after school special, Mr. T be somebody or be somebody's fool. Uh, getting my hands on that was like it, not easy and was an exciting day. And I remember inviting everyone I knew, probably strangers, right? Like people that I didn't even know and just be like, look at what I'm holding here. Come, come and watch it. And it was like, in, it, it was an exciting thing to share. I was making dubs of it and giving it out as like Christmas presents. And you can't do that anymore, right? The Star Wars holiday special used to be like legend, Right. It used to be like a rare, like almost like like Bigfoot. Right. Some people had seen it. But but for most people, it was just sort of like a rumor. And now you can just go on YouTube and watch it. Um, And something has been lost. Right. Something the the idea of having to really hunt to find something uh, niche and then to be able to subtly flex that like you had access to these, you know, it's like, like uh, my, my brother used to like tape trade for fish, right? He used to have recordings of fish concerts and he used to like make dubs of them and send them out in exchange for other recordings of fish concerts. And now of course you can, you know, uh, pay for access to like a complete uh, library of every fish concert ever. And it's a good thing, but it, it robs you of that chance to like work for something and to have to um, to have to become part of a community to be able to fully experience it. Um, you know, there's um, there's a kind of famous case study about baboons, where like most baboon troops are intensely patriarchal and hyper violent, um, but there was this one group that, for whatever reason, like the the female baboons took over the troop and made a self sustaining culture that was based on sort of like mutualism and almost like a quasi democracy of sorts. Um, and then the 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 third chapter of the story, which is really depressing, is that the scientists 
guys were like studying, like, why is this troop so different from the other troops that are in the area? Um, a garbage dump opened up nearby, and all of the baboon troops, the hyperviolent patriarchal ones and this like weird, uh, you know, uh, workers' paradise matriarchal one, suddenly had access to all the food they wanted in the forms of like leftover pizza and stuff like that. And what happened was they all stopped having a society at all. And the baboons just sort of like lie around in the trash and roll over and put some of it into their mouths and don't interact with the other baboons. So I think you're discussing basically the same thing. <laughs> this is what there's a there's a funny Stuart Lee bit about this where he he identifies the the youth culture's uh you know uh inability to to even rouse themselves from a skunk induced slumber to goad one another to self harm. And I think that that is the you know the 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 baboon that is a baboon's plight. Uh, it's a baboon's plight in the, uh, the world. Um, well, I, I mean, Matt, like, is it, but are you, I feel like you're a little bit old man yelling a cloud with this. Uh, it's not cause it's not going back, you know, and that, uh, you can't, you can't, you can't put that, you can't put that streamy back in the bottle. And you no, it's, it's true. But like, I, uh, there are witnesses in my family who will say that like when I was a, when I was like a young teenager and people would ask me my dream job, it was to open a video store. Mm. It, it, it was like, you know, to, to have like a, a very sort of niche, uh, collection of genre films that's you know would would be appreciated by my peers and that like i could screen things in the back and it was like you know to be as a center for for filmic culture right and you know i mean as recently as like probably 15 years ago the, those places still existed in big cities that like you know video stores that like were were sort of like center of communities and now everything's just moved online like both the videos and the community Right. And, and the idea of a physical space that's dedicated to watching movies, you know, not obviously not like a movie theater, but like older movies. Um, and you could like go and like rent your favorite movie and then like, you know, talk, get some red vines at the checkout line. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a little old man yelling at clouds, but like I, I things were different even in the early days of overthinking. You just have to like hit the video store, uh, you know, hit the library to like get the things in order to overthink them. I mean, I, Matt, I don't know. Oh, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. No, no, no. I don't. Oh. You t- you go. I was going to say, Matt, um, I don't know what the most recent time we discussed this was, but you know that Best Video still exists in Hamden, right? Yeah. It, it, so it rebranded. It, this is my understanding that like, you know, this is a video store we all used to go to like together. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. was it really did kind of live up to the name that it was. It was a video store that had such like a diverse and unique collection that they had like on the website. This was the very early days of e-commerce in the late nineties. They would like allow you to pay them and they would like mail the videos across the country so that like people who did not live in Hampton, Connecticut could rent like old Kung Fu movies from the seventies and stuff like that, uh, that would otherwise be completely unavailable. And obviously this place, you know, even the best video store in the country couldn't really survive as a video store that long. And it sort of rebranded itself as like a cultural center. I believe it's like a performance space now. I, I'm sure that they still have videos there, but like probably largely like sort of the way that you might put books on the bookshelf at like a fancy restaurant just to like <laughs> make the place a culture. But like nobody is like pulling the DVD of, of, of cruel intentions off the shelf to like watch the special features. What well, I mean, what what happened in LA is our best video store that that remained is called Vidiots, sort of reorganized as a five hundred one c three, and is now like a sort of cinema preservation, um, cinema preservation society. Because I feel like you you think you feel like everything is available, but not everything is available. Everything that it, you know it makes commercial sense to preserve uh, is available, but that's not you know, that's not everything. And there are, you know, a lot of things that are sort of lost to the, uh, lost to the sands of time, you know, stuff that, that is not popular or not sought after. And there, there are kind of people with more of an archivist or a historian's mindset who are, who are doing that. But it is, I mean, I used to talk a lot with Sheely about the kind of the, the, like the social enterprise (laughs) aspect of overthinking it where it's kind of like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any sense. This is when we were trying to like make it a going concern, you know, that could pay us something, something like a wage. Like it, it doesn't make any sense as a going concern because the, the, the impulse behind it is, is sort of the impulse of a librarian. 
and um you know the the impulse of a uh yeah the 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 impulse of a kind of a social a, a social enterprise maybe, maybe we should have gone uh gone the 501c3 route um that that would have really uh maybe it's not too late yeah it's absolutely now i mean i'm i, I don't know the filing requirements are are really onerous <laughs> yeah, it's just too much work become that <laughs> it's very yeah uh it's very difficult i you know i i guess i want to um to to maybe shift the focus a little bit for for me for my answer to this and be like when i heard you say pete like well what have you learned i my answer was like about what you know like <laughs> is there i don't know is there like some kind of deep key is there some uh uh you call it like transcendental idea about uh about culture about cultural production about cultural artifacts that like um you know unlocks the whole thing well no really really there isn't uh you know there's just sort of you living through time and and kind of experiencing these things and i i i guess like the things that i have or maybe i'm just kind of like naturally introspective but like i've i've learned a lot about myself uh 1 100% 100% i have undiagnosed or self-diagnosed ADHD like i've learned that over the course of trying to do uh trying to do this this uh longitudinal research project that we've all been doing together over the over the last 15 years but uh you know also something about the kind of the social context of the social context of all of this stuff right like how many times have you watched a movie and been like oh i can't wait to get on the podcast to hash that one out or how you know um that that all you know you don't you don't sort of uh, you don't ex- experience culture. You don't experience films or, or you know, works of art or or anything really. Um, in a out, outside of a uh, outside of a, a sort of community, outside of a, a social context, and a kind of an, an interpretive context, and that like our um, our uh, and that 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 context can do something. that can do one of two things. Like it can sort of shut you down, right? In the case of of uh what what you might call like a mainstream um like a a cool kids sort of thing it's like ew you know that's not that's not fun that's not cool that's not exciting or uh or sort of open you up and like um uh attack you know attack the world with with curiosity uh and be like oh yeah like tell me about that what is that i don't know that what's what is what even is that what even is that about and that like sort of an ad- approaching it with an attitude of curiosity you can't be curious and fearful. You can't be curious and angry. You can't be curious and, um, you know, a lot of kind of, uh, things that don't, don't necessarily redound to your, to your health or enjoyment. Um, that, but that like, uh, an attitude of curiosity really does redound to your, your health and enjoyment. And that like, um, uh, that kind of like assuming that, Assuming that position, assume the position, assuming a pose of curiosity, assuming a, a even just the kind of the external trappings of, of curiosity, like faking, faking the curiosity until until you make it the curiosity um, has enriched my life and my experience so much that uh, that it's a, um, you know, I don't know. It's it's something that I'm I'm glad that we I'm glad that we enjoyed together and something I hope we've been able to uh you know transmit out into the out into the world there hey listen i talked to uh i talked to ben adams who could not be with us on this uh on this podcast but i want to um i want to make sure that he gets his voice in as well so let me uh, just switch over to the conversation that i had with ben uh about his time on the site <laughs> Ben, we have you on the the podcast too rarely, and it's always a pleasure to hear your voice. Thank you for uh, popping in to celebrate the anniversary with us. Thank you for having me, Matt. Happy anniversary! I remember when you uh, when you came on board the uh, this you know great pirate ship uh, that is that is overthinking it. I think you had written some like guest articles on the site before you became you know before you like uh, became like one of the inner sanctum, one of the cadre of uh, people running the um, kind of running the site and, and pushing it forward. And I recall that like it was like well we want to expand, we want more writers, we want more because we were still a blog at the time. And I recall we had a, a video call with you, and you were very cool to do it, and we like. Vo- 
wadeered you like extremely, <laughs> extremely uh, minutely, right? About like what a uh, what an important enterprise with us, and then kind of look back at that and roll my eyes at our younger selves and how sort of self serious we were about this this little enterprise. But you were you were very kind. It, it is you know all to the good that you endured it, <laughs> that you went through it, and uh, that you you know that that you uh, joined up. I don't know if you remember how like we how you happened to uh happened to to come on board but like what was it that that brought you to this crew i do remember so it, i i remember a friend of mine had shared in whatever fashion articles were shared on the internet in 2011 uh a the economics of the death star destruction article uh, which was was getting currency at the time, and I was like, these these people have have my number, and so I started kind of reading your whole back catalog, and and eventually decided to to pitch an article to your your guest submissions. Do you have a favorite article or a project that you participated in over all that time? So I think my favorite favorite article I've written is probably uh, my my what you described as my magnum opus, my interstellar, uh, my Star Wars and inter-service rivalry piece uh, yep. is probably the piece that I, I think has held up the best. Uh, though I think the This Podcast is Ruined podcast uh, is one of my my fondest memories of my my overthinking at time, just because that, that kind of pretty wild to do at the time. <laughs> it's a lot of, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, it was. I also, you know, I also remember uh, that your professional expertise came into bear a little bit when we uh, reviewed on the podcast a cinematic masterpiece called uh, Battleship, uh, starring starring Taylor Kitsch and, and Rihanna. And, um, you know, and uh, that we actually managed to see that together in uh, in Los Angeles, you know, and that that uh, it's a it's, I've, I have always been geographically separated from all overthinkers. And so it was a, a particular pleasure to, to actually go to a movie with a friend uh, that we were going to talk with on the podcast. Yeah, that that was a blast. I mean, it, I, I did, that was my my first kind of getting to meet friends from the Internet in person. And that that was a ball. I also had a lot of fun going up for the uh one of the eurovision parties in new york and i got to meet a lot of the rest of the crew in person for the first time you know our thing is is longer lived than a lot of the uh entertainment the entertainment properties we cover as an elder statesman of of pop culture broadcasting as one of the most you know uh reliable and red commentators on on uh, this subject on on the internet you know do you have any particular reflections after 15 years of doing this stuff so i i did you know I I did learn that there are lots of fun people on the internet to meet in person, which is probably not, you know, always a good lesson, but at least for overthinking it, it appears to have worked out. Uh, but the other thing, and this is, I don't know quite how to phrase this, but the other thing that has kind of not surprised me, but that I've kind of learned viscerally from overthinking is you, you, I tend to think of, uh, want to think of things as kind of like once the analysis is done, it's kind of like done and dusted uh, in the same sense that when I buy like a 36 pack of toilet paper, I think like, well, that, that problem solved, uh, but then sure enough, it comes back. And I, I feel like it's the same thing sometimes with cultural criticism. Like there are, there are things that I feel like we've been talking about for years and years and years. Uh, and yet you still like go on the internet and read, you know, crazy people that say, you know, crazy things. And it's like, no, we, we have to keep, keep doing this, this discussion or, or even if it's something fun, like star Wars, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with my, you know, inner service rivalry piece. Uh, but there's been a whole lot of Star Wars since since I wrote that piece. You know, I'm sure I could could refresh it if if I still blogged. Uh, you know, to talk about Andor or any of the the other new ones. Uh, so you know, it's it's kind of fun that the uh, the cultural criticism job is is never complete. So. Uh, on on Discord, our uh, Discord server, I'll put a link to join in the show notes for this episode because you know this is this seems like a good uh, as good a point as any if you're you're listening to this and you want to to chat with the overthinking community, much like the old comments section used to be. We try to to keep that spirit alive now on the Discord. Uh, on the Discord, I put out the call for uh, some some questions um, to you know is there anything you're interested in asking us uh, to supplement you know the conversation because there's no way that just the conversation of uh you know there's no way that just asking well what have you learned over the last uh 15 years no way that could take an hour 
Right? There's no way that this group of people would take that much time uh, to answer that question. But, you know, here we are and we've come to the, the end of the episode. We haven't even gotten to a, a single one of our, our listener questions. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to record uh, a few answers to uh, questions that were submitted by listeners on the Discord and uh, release those in the members area. Release those as a, a members only um, sort of special. And, uh, you know, it takes, uh, uh, you know, and you can become a member if you go to overthinking.com slash join any five bucks will uh will get you the uh will get you the access to a treasure trove of members only audio and we also uh we also appreciate the the help in keeping the lights on uh around here did not plan <laughs> to tease to tease this and kind of make it a uh uh you know make it a paid feature but why not i'm going i'm going with it. it it makes sense it's fine it's finally time isn't it pete that we monetize this blasphemous podcast Oh um, yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So uh you know, that's uh that's what we're going to do. Um thanks everyone uh for listening. Thanks uh I know, you know, at this point we really have only long-time fans. I'm not sure people are stumbling across our thing and discovering it. Though if if you did, hop on the Discord and and tell us about it because I would I would love to know how someone found overthinking it in the last Yeah, it'd be fascinating. In the last 6 months, right? Or even in the last 36 months. I'd I'd be fascinated to know how how you sort of came came to uh came to subscribe uh to the thing but we really have longtime listeners and so I want to thank everyone who's been um you know been with us all this time uh it, it's uh it's a, a heck of a thing to to look back on and and I got all kinds of feelings about it but I I feel proud and I feel grateful um grateful to our audience and and uh grateful to my friends so thanks thanks very much friends ben adams matt Belinky, pete fenzel mark lee richard rosebaum jordan stokes i'm matt rather uh you know and this is uh this is our thing so i i put out a i put out a call on the discord that uh that anyone who wanted to could record themselves saying the tagline and we would play it along so you're going to hear our voices and a whole bunch of other voices uh you know as well um as, as we talk about this we'll be back god willing with another overthinking podcast next next week and until then uh you can visit us on the web for another 800 episodes at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve.